You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Amen. So we are in chapter 15 of the story, and we are going to hear some good news and some bad news in this story. Who are people you don't want to hear bad news from? Who are people you don't want to hear bad news from? I think doctors, right? You don't want to hear bad news from doctors. Um, you don't want to hear bad news from teachers. You don't want to hear bad news from employers. You don't want your child to come up to you and go, Mom, Dad, I have some bad news, right? We don't want to hear that. But who are people we want to hear good news from? It's the same people, huh? We'd want to hear good news from pastors. We'd want to hear good news from doctors. We'd want to hear good news from teachers. We want to hear good news from parents. We want our children to go, Mom, Dad, I have some good news. We want to hear that. Well, God's messengers in the Bible do that for us. They bring God's news to us. Sometimes it's good news. And sometimes it's bad news, but it's always the news that we need to hear. It's the news that God wants us to hear. It's the news that God wants us to listen to and to obey so that we'll be blessed. God wants us to have a blessed life. God wants us to have a beautiful life. But for that to happen, we must learn to listen to God's messengers, God's message, we must learn to obey it. Today, um, I had something a little different for you. If you look into your bulletin, you'll see there's a full outline for today. And the reason that I did that is because I want you to be able to take notes if you want, but when you go home, to be able to review what we talk about today. Because particularly today, we're talking about hearing God's word. Hearing God's word. And if you didn't want to take a lot of notes, you don't have to because you'll have these. And you can go back later and read God's word and seek to listen to what God is saying to us. Because God is speaking to us personally. We're going to see three ways that God uses his prophets to speak to us. And the first way is that God wants to speak to you and to me personally. He wants us to hear his message even through a human messenger. God wants us to know that he has something for us to say that we can relate to, and so God brings human messengers to us so we can hear the news. Now, today we're going to look at some bad news and some good news. And another way that we might look at that is that oftentimes the bad news deals very much with our lower story life. And so as we've been going through the story, what we've been learning is that in all of our lives, there's a lower story. You're in school, you're in work, you have needs, you have hurts, you get sick, you get well, you have dreams, you have nightmares. Um, there are things that are going so well, you just are very thankful. That's still part of your lower story. But then there are times in our life where things are not going the way we want. That's still part of our lower story. But then there's an upper story. And the upper story is the control of God over what's happening in our lives. 
The upper story is that God is going to fulfill his good will in our lives, even though in the lower story there are problems. But for that to happen, we must listen to God. We must listen to God. We must identify where our struggles lie and bring them before God. Now, as we go into the book that we're studying today in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, uh, you can open that up and we'll read it in just a minute. But we're going to be looking at the story beginning with the prophet Elijah, Elijah. And Elijah brings God's news to God's people who are in trouble. And they are in obvious trouble. And so there is bad news. And the bad news is that these people, the people of God, their lower story, they're outnumbered. Elijah the prophet is outnumbered. And in 1 Kings chapter 18, 19 and 22, the Bible says this. And God is, and this is Elijah speaking. And he says, and God says to Elijah, I'm sorry, God says to Elijah, now summon the people from all over Israel to meet me on Mount Carmel and bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Then Elijah said to them, he said to these 850 prophets, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. But Baal has 450 prophets. And so Elijah, he's just one. He's the only true prophet. And there's 450 false prophets who worship a false god named Baal. The odds are bad. The odds are 450 to 1. Well, how that relates to you and me is that we too are outnumbered in this world. And if we are going to live the way God wants us to live in a world, we need to understand that we are indeed outnumbered. Um, in the most recent full study of world religions, it was done in 2015, and a census was taken around the world and to figure out how many people belong to each religious group, major religious group in the world. And so if you look up there in the red, you say, well, that might be pretty good news, right? Because what we see is that Christians represent 31% of the world's population. We have the largest color up there, right? We have the largest group. But in reality, what that means is that we are still outnumbered two to one. So that the Christians are still outnumbered two to one. There's two billion, two hundred million plus Christians or people who call themselves Christians in the world out of a population of over 7.2 billion people. That means that we're still out. Now, even though we have 31% of the world's population by name, okay, we're still outnumbered two to one. But what's interesting, if we went back and we looked at that chart, we would look at God's people, the Jews. And they're actually at 0.2%, or only 14 million plus Jews in the world. And think about that. They are outnumbered 500 to 1 in the world population. Elijah was outnumbered 451. The odds have gotten worse, but they're still fairly similar. That God's people are greatly outnumbered. And yet our world revolves very much around Israel, around God's people. 
And world peace is often looked at from the Middle East perspective. God is taking care of his people. God has protected his people through millenniums. God has a plan that he's going to fulfill. But the reality is that they and we are outnumbered in this world. We can't expect to be the majority. We will always be outnumbered until the Lord returns. But that's where we get the good news. And the good news is that no matter how outnumbered you may feel, no matter how outnumbered we may be, God is always on our side. This is the reality of the upper story. God is on your side. God is on my side. And so God told Elijah, you call those 450 prophets of Baal, you bring them together, you meet on Mount Carmel, and this is what I want you to say, and this is what I want you to tell them to do. And so he does it. And so he says, let's go get two bulls, and let's make a big sacrifice preparation for them. And then you call on the name your God, and then I will call on the name of the Lord. And then the God who answers by fire, the God who can call down fire and take up that sacrifice, the God who can miraculously show himself, that's the true God. And so these 450 prophets say, okay, we'll take on that challenge. And so they prepare the sacrifice of the two bulls. They put wood all around it, and they wait for fire to come down from heaven as the prophets of Baal try to get their God to answer them. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 26, 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 26, the Bible says this, Then they, that's the prophets of Baal, they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered. And they danced around the altar they had made. That went on for hours. Nothing happened. And so at noon, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. We're in verse 27. And he says, shout louder. Surely he is a god. Perhaps he is deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he's sleeping and must be awakened. And so Elijah is employing some what we might call trash talk at that moment. He's saying, oh man, yeah, you're right. You're like, good, you're good, right? Yeah, come on, maybe you're God. Oh, he's busy, right? Or, or he's sleeping. Maybe you better wake him up. Maybe he overslept, right? He is just bringing it on them because nothing's going to happen. Because those are false gods. But then, Elijah, it's his turn. And he calls upon the name of the Lord God. And fire comes down and consumes the bulls. Fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. And proves that there is God. In 1 Kings chapter, um, 1 Kings chapter 18 verse 38. The Bible says, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And so when the people were watching this, they observed because of Elijah's faith, 
and because of the power of the true God. They observe the reality that this God is the God. Not just any God, not just one of many gods, but the only God. And even they proclaim the Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. And this is the message that God gives to you and to me in a world where we are greatly outnumbered because we have the only God. We have the only true God. And He is with us. And He is for us. And you are not alone. You may feel outnumbered right now by your circumstances. You may feel overwhelmed by what is happening. You may look out into your life and see a battlefield and there seems like there's more enemies than you have the power to be able to withstand. But God is with you. Later, Elijah would be taken up to heaven. And his, his um, successor was Elisha. So Elijah, the prophet, was succeeded by the prophet Elisha. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have this amazing story of Elisha, who is also in a battle, not with the prophets of Baal, but with the force of a king that is ready to invade and control over Israel. And Elisha is the prophet that God's going to use to hear his prayers and to protect Israel. It, it protect Israel. But Elisha's servant sees the battlefield. He looks out on the hills and he sees the, the chariots. He sees the horsemen. He sees the battle before them. And they are so greatly outnumbered again. And so in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 15, we read this. When the servant of the man of God... So the man of God is Elisha. So his servant... When the servant of Elisha got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Notice that. Elijah, Elisha. Notice that even though you can't see it right now, those who are with us are more than those that you can see, more than the enemies. And Elisha prayed, O oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And so even though the servant of Elisha saw upon the battlefield all the hundreds, thousands of chariots and all the army that was about to pounce on them, Elisha knew that there was more of God's supply to protect them and to surround them they weren't surrounded just by these troops. They were surrounded by God. And so Elisha prays that his servant would have his eyes open. He says, oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And maybe right now you're in a place where you are facing battles, you are facing challenges, you are feeling outnumbered, or you know somebody who is. Just yesterday I was talking to a very dear friend of mine 
Um, and he lives farther away, and we were just talking by phone, and he was telling me the overwhelming circumstances of his life. He feels so overwhelmed by all the problems of life. It feels like he's alone. But God, in our promise to him as my brother in Christ, to me as his brother in Christ, is though we have circumstances that seem to be so overwhelming in our lives, God is greater and God is with us. And there are more who are with us in God's power than those who are in the world. There is greater resource in God than there are enemies in this world. And so just as Elisha prayed for his servant, that, oh Lord, open his eyes so he may see. So if you and I are in circumstances, or we have friends who are in circumstances that look beyond their ability to endure, we can pray, oh Lord, open my eyes so I may see. Lord, open my eyes so I may see. May I see, Lord, that just like Elisha was surrounded by more of the chariots of fire than there were the chariots of men on the battlefield. So is God surrounding us with his presence. And there's a real popular song on Christian radio right now. It was written by, it's written by Michael W. Smith called Surrounded. And the main line of this song is, it may look I'm surrounded. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by you, God. God surrounds us. We are not alone. If you look at your outline, you'll see in the box on the left-hand side, or in the bottom of the first page, there's a scripture there, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 11 and 12. And um, would you read that out loud with me? It's only on the, I don't have an overhead for it, it's only on the bulletin. So would you read it with me? 1 Kings chapter 19, 11, 12. And this is Elijah. And this is what happened to him when he stood before God. Let's say it together. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And if you go on and read in that story what you'll know, is that the Lord was in the gentle whisper. And what this means to you and to me is that we may be in circumstances where we long to hear God speak to us in powerful ways, like a mountain being torn apart, like by an earthquake or by a wind. But the way that God speaks to us is quietly, as we take time with him, as we listen for his voice. God is speaking to us, but we must take the time to listen for that voice. And so I want to encourage you, and again, this is why I printed out the outline this week, is that you will take some time this week, hopefully this afternoon, find 15 minutes alone this afternoon, just review one of the verses that was important to you and encouraging to you. Thank God for that verse. Pray that it be your verse. Pray that God would use it in your life. But listen, listen to God's word. Do this regularly, and you'll go closer to God. Do this regularly, and you will personally experience the words of God in your life as he speaks to you. And he will call us to a response that we would have faith 
and that we would grow. So God speaks to us personally. Then, of course, we must personally spend time with him. God also speaks to us through the prophet Amos, not just through the prophets of Elijah and Elisha, but also Amos. And God speaks to us prophetically. In other words, God's word talks about the future and still, the future still from where we are today in 2019. That God has his word that speaks the truth of what's going to happen. God speaks prophetically. And everything that God says is true. Everything in his word is true. And all of his prophecies will come true. And so this can give us great confidence. This can also give us humility. The prophet Amos had to come upon Israel and bring about a message of judgment to them. If you'd open up your Bibles to Amos chapter 3, 1 and 2. Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And again, I hope that you read in the story... As you notice there, if you look into on your outline, you'll see it has the pages that is there in the story. If you want to go back there and read it, but in your Bible, turn to Amos chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And Amos is speaking to the people, and this is his words to them. Hear this word the Lord has spoken against you, O people of Israel, against the whole family I brought up out of Egypt. In other words, God has been working in Israel. He brought them out of Egypt. Verse 2. You only have I chosen of all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your sins. That's a very interesting and convicting verse. God is saying, it's because you I have chosen that I will punish you. Not because he's just angry at them, but because he has a plan for them, because he loves them, because they are his people, because he's been working with them for centuries, and he's not going to give up on them. And he says, you are the family, you are the children I have chosen, and therefore, because I love you, I will punish you. Bad news. The lower story is that when there is sin, And when there is evil, there is punishment. We will experience times in our lives that because of sin, because of evil, bad things will be happening around us. But that's not the whole story. That's not God's final will for us. God's final and desirable will for us is that we learn the good news That the Lord Almighty is with us. The Lord is merciful when he is with us. He is a just God. He is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a good God. And we want this God to be with us. This God knows what is right and what is wrong. He is holy, just. He never does anything wrong. For those of you who drive, how do you feel when you're driving down the freeway and you see a highway patrolman right behind you? I mean, just right behind you. How do, and, and how do you feel? Right? You feel a little nervous? I know I do. Do you look down at your speedometer and wonder, like, am I going the speed limit? Right? And so then you change lanes and you hope that they pass you, right? Okay. But then how do you feel if he, the highway patrolman changes lanes and stays right behind you? Okay. The lights haven't gone on yet, right? 
but you are more nervous. Okay, so that's one way we feel. Now, how would you feel if that highway patrolman was just like right next to you? Okay, so not behind you, but you look to the right and you go, oh, it's a highway patrolman, right? How do you feel? You go, well, like, okay, I just better not do anything wrong. But, you know, you speed up a little bit, and he speeds up a little bit. You slow down, and he slows down. He just sort of stays there. You're like, well, I'm not in trouble, right? I'm not quite as nervous as he's behind me, but he's right there. I better just keep up with him, all right? So I'm going to do not what's wrong, but he's right there. Okay, now that's a third, second way. But there's a third way. How do you feel if the highway patrolman is right in front of you? Okay? So you're like, well, I'm not as nervous as if he's behind me. I'm not as nervous as he's inside. In fact, I'm not even nervous at all. But I'm not going to pass him. Right? I'm not going to do anything wrong. In fact, as long as I'm behind him, I can't get in any trouble. Right? There's a fourth way. How would you feel if the highway patrolman was in your car? Better, huh? That one actually is quite good. Now, of course, I would obey the laws. I would feel good that he's in the car. But you know what? Then he says, hey, get out of the car. He goes, why? He goes, I'm going to drive. Now, how do you feel when the highway patrolman is driving your car? You feel safe, right? You feel like he's not going to break the laws. You feel like you're okay. He's got his guns. He's got his training. Right? You are okay now because he is with you. He's in control. You're probably not going to crash. You're definitely not going to get a ticket. Right? He's with you. And this is what God is trying to say through the prophet Amos. Is I am with you. You have sinned. You've done wrong. I brought punishment. But get out of the car. And let me drive. Turn with me to Amos, chapter 5, verse 6. Amos, chapter 5, verse 6. See, God's told them in Amos, chapter 3, which we read, that because they are loved by him, because they are his people, he will have to punish them. But, but, in chapter 5, verse 6, he says, seek the Lord and live. Or he will sweep you through the tribes of Jophas like a fire to devour them. But he wants you to seek the Lord and live. Verse 14. Seek good and not evil. Why? That you may live. Then the Lord Almighty God will be with you. He will be with you. Just as you say he is. God is with us. God gives himself to us. God wants to be with us. And again... As we talked about at the beginning, when we talked about missions, God doesn't just give himself to us so that we will be able to have the life that we want just for ourselves. He gives us the life. He blesses us. He comes to be with us. He speaks prophecies to us so that we will be a testament in this world for him, for his glory, for his honor, and for his good, for his kingdom's sake. In Acts chapter 17, verse 25, and you see that verse there on your outline. The Bible tells us that he himself, God, gives life and breath to everything. And he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, 
and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. And so God wants us to know that he is not far from you. Maybe there's some of you here who aren't yet Christians, and you're wondering, where is God? He is here. And he is here to invite you to be with him and to be part of his family, to be those that call him his own, the one true God. He is not far from anyone in this world, though they may be far from him. He is not far from them to be able to be their savior, to be their God. And he will fulfill his prophecies. He will fulfill what he wants to do. He is going to bring the good news of Jesus throughout the world that people would know him. This will be fulfilled. So God has done this personally. God promises that he's going to continue to do it prophetically. And he does it passionately. God reaches out to us with a feeling within himself of love. But at the same time, he has a passionate hatred of all that is evil and all that is wrong. God hates sin and God loves people. And we see this so profoundly in the book of Hosea, the prophet Hosea. And Hosea has to bring bad news to people. He has to bring about the word that bad news is that we will fail. And when we fail, what God does is he brings conviction in our hearts because he loves us, because he hates sin. He has to bring that conviction. But because he loves sin, he will bring that conviction. And even though we fail by falling into sin, he loves us and he calls us back to himself. Turn with me to Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. Hosea chapter 4, verse 1. And there the Bible says, Hear the word of the Lord, you Israelites, because the Lord has a charge to bring against you. You who live in the land, there is no faithfulness, no love, no acknowledgement of God in the land. These people have fallen away from God. They have failed. And then Hosea chapter 5, verse 4, Their deeds do not permit them to return to their God. A spirit of prostitution is in their heart. They do not acknowledge the Lord. There is going to be conviction because of their failings. They have turned away from God. God must bring about conviction to us when we fail him. God must bring about a sense of remorse and sadness in our hearts because he cares about us. Because though there is bad news, there is also, so importantly, great news and good news. And that is that God will forgive and God will give us comfort. God will forgive us and God will give us comfort. And the conviction is so that we will turn to him and receive this in Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. It says, return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Take words with you and return to the Lord. Say to him, forgive all our sins and receive us graciously that we may offer the fruit of our lips. God is calling us back so that we can come back to him and receive his forgiveness 
There is no sin that we can do that God can't forgive if we will bring it to him. God wants us to know how much we love him, even if we're unfaithful. The book of Hosea is a story about the prophet who was told by God to do something that's hard for us to fully fathom, but it helps us to see how much love God has for us. Because God tells Hosea to marry a prostitute. And her name is Gomer. And God tells him to marry Gomer. Because in her promiscuity, in her constant failing, in her constant leaving of him, in her constant unfaithfulness, she is a picture of Israel who has fallen away from God. And yet Hosea is to be a picture of God who goes out and finds his wife over and again and brings her back home and loves her. And when she leaves, he brings her a message. And this message is the same message that God brings to you and to me. And maybe especially when we're feeling like, God, I keep messing up. I keep sinning. I keep doing the wrong thing. How can you care about me? But Hosea brings this message to Gomer that God brings to us. And it would be something like this. I love you more than you will ever know. More than you can fully fathom. More than you might fully be able to understand. But I do. So please come home with me. Please come back home where you belong. Because I want you. I want you to be with me. God, God has feelings. God doesn't just carry about his prophecies. God doesn't just preach his message without being involved in what is happening. And when he brings these personal messages to us through personal people, it's so that we can understand what God is like. That's why Jesus became a man. That Jesus would be able to say, I know how you feel when you get hurt. Because he was hurt. He knows the feelings of our flesh, though he never sinned. And Jesus, as perfect God and as perfect man, can bring us before God with understanding and with compassion and with passion. And God in Hosea brings us his compassion, brings to us his love. He helps us to understand it as a husband and wife ought to love each other and as God loves his wife. But in this case, his wife is a prostitute. His wife is leaving him. In Hosea chapter 11, verse 8 and 9, we read these beautiful words, words of God's love. And he speaks to Israel. And he speaks to them as one that he loves as his bride. And he says, how can I hand you over, O Israel? In other words, how can I give up on you? How can I let you fully leave me? My heart, my heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. I will not carry out my fierce anger, nor will I turn and devastate Ephraim. For I am God. And not man, the Holy One among you. I will not come in wrath. God will come in love. God will come in comfort. God will come to give us his forgiveness, his kindness, and his grace. But we must go to him and accept that. We must receive from him the message that he gives to us. That he brings it to us personally. He brings it to us practically. He brings it to us passionately. 
that he cares about you and he'll never stop caring. And he brings you into his arms and he invites you back into his fold. And so this week, not just right now as we pray, but this week, remember this message and continue to study God's word and read and spend time listening to his message to you because he invites you to be near to him and to have his story as the main part of your story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us, that you don't just 